Hi there. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We'd like to take a moment to announce that we are launching a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash TalkingTolkien. We'll also post it on our Facebook and Twitter. We'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment to check out the Patreon and hopefully give some money. Obviously, you don't need to give. We'd appreciate you sharing our podcast just as much. With just a little bit of extra funding, we'll be able to buy server space, equipment, and other necessities to help our podcast grow. Eventually, our plan is to offer other podcasts about other beloved works and overlooked classics. Thanks. You know, time is different on that couch than over here on these chairs. <laughs> We're sitting five feet from each other and I can't do anything. Did you see Interstellar? I did see Interstellar. Yeah, all right, moving on. <laughs> Why was that so hard? Because Interstellar. All right, everyone, it's time for Talking Tolkien. This is our fourth Hobbit episode, and we are going to discuss chapter six, Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. <laughs> so if you're just joining us, uh, we do have a backlog of episodes stretching back to the beginning of the Silmarillion. Hopefully you're joining us right after finishing episodes one, two, and three of The Hobbit, so you know exactly where we are. Uh, where did we last leave Bilbo, our lovely Burra Hobbit? He lost all of his stupid buttons. <laughs> uh, yeah, our poor little Burra Hobbit. Ha ha ha. Um, had, he's, has ha, just ha, dis- Hobbit. ha ha Hobbit. He has just escaped um, a rather perilous encounter with um, a bunch of goblins and just before that with a little creature that we met in the last chapter named Gollum. And Bilbo has also acquired a very important little treasure. um, Uh, An invisibility cloak that his father, James Baggins, owned. (laughs) No, 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 that's all wrong. It was Bungo Baggins. (laughs) (laughs) But no, uh, Bilbo did uh, just sort of absentmindedly pick up a small ring that he found um, in the cave. Uh, that, that grants the wearer invisibility. Right, and that's kind of all he knows about the ring right now. Um, and uh, we, of course, know more things about said ring, and said ring will become very, very important. But in the meantime, Bilbo has just escaped the mountain and the goblins, and since it's daylight, the goblins aren't going to follow him very long because they don't like to be outside in the daylight. Makes him feel all woo. Yeah, it makes him feel like woozy. Yeah. And and like they've had, you know, a few too many pints. Of tequila. Or something. Pints of tequila. Goblin tequila. <laughs> pints of goblin tequila. <laughs> Mountain agave. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, so Bilbo is, is, is walking along wondering, like, you know. He doesn't know where he is. He, he knows he's on the other side of the mountains. Yeah. But he doesn't know, like, relatively where. And more importantly, he doesn't know where his band of married dwarves and <laughs> wizard are. And he, he's got nothing on him except, like, the clothes on his back, and that's it. Which are all ripped, and he's lost some of his nice brass buttons, the poor fellow. So, yeah, Bilbo's kind of wandering around and sort of thinking to himself, well, should I try to look for them? Should I go back in there and try? But I don't want to go back in there. I really don't. But so he's wandering around, and then he hears some voices. And uh, lo and behold, it's the dwarves and Gandalf, who are currently in a rather heated argument. Um, Each blaming the other, kind of. And, you know, the dwarves saying that he's useless, um, and that he's been more trouble than he's worth, and 
um, blah, blah, blah. And Gandalf, of course, once again, sticking up for his little friend and saying, you know, that there, there's more to Bilbo than you know, and he's very important, and we need to find him. And specifically, he calls him his friend, which I was, like, yeah. kind of moved by. Yeah, yeah. Gandalf is absolutely sticking up for Bilbo, and he's going to c- continue to do so, as you know, he always does, because, yeah, there's... Gandalf believes in him. And also at this point, Bilbo still has the ring on. Right. And so he's thinking, like, oh, maybe it's my time to, like, prove my prove myself yeah. a little bit and freak him out. So he kind of, like, sneaks up on them as they're arguing. Right. Oh, and also there was the second uh, uh, usage of my favorite word, just it, randomly, and I just remembered in this passage, uh, Bilbo uses the word confusticate again, which is my favorite made up word ever it was in like the first chapter when he was annoyed by the dwarves you know dirtying up his kitchen and now he's annoyed by them like you know saying that he's worthless doing the same thing with his reputation (laughs) right messing up his kitchen now messing up his reputation (laughs) so if we're we're talking about tolkien uh lingualisms my favorite bit is just the second sentence which is literally he lost his he lost hood cloak food pony his buttons and his friends the poor little fellow. Like, that's an order of importance. Yeah. So anyway, he's 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 hiding out, uh, watching this argument, and they're like, but we still don't know where the burglar is. And then he pulls the ring off, and he's like, the burglar's right here. The burglar's right here! And they all scream and go call him a witch and freak out. <laughs> no, but they are rather impressed, of course, because, you know, he, he manages to get... He got by... Who was it? Balin, Balin. was on was on lookout. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so... Balin's so like, not even a mouse can get past away. Yeah, B- Balin's like, I, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of my surroundings at all times, and yeah. you know, a bunch of points in his reputation boost yeah. got went up because yeah. again, Bilbo has seemed to have at least done something worthy of a great burglar, right? So wait, he he ran, he he, he rolled a critical hit. Yeah, I got a I got a <laughs> Hobbit crit, I got a Hobbit character sheet right here. <laughs> was it effective? Yeah. yeah, it was a critical hit. Clearly, he, <laughs> oh, it was a critical hit. Okay. Yeah, good. hobbits have got high, have got low HP, but they got high um, dexterity. dexterity? Yeah. <laughs> That's the nerdiest thing we've ever said on the show. Uh, all right. Well, hobbits have high dexterity. I would say average intelligence, probably average constitution. Maybe we can introduce like a special modifier where their constitution is like dependent on the number of meals they've had that day. Well, yeah, because as we see in this chapter, at least, like poor Bilbo is running on fumes. Well, and, the, and around the point, they finally realize they should keep going. That's yeah. all they can do. They can't go back into the mountain because why? Why would you go back in there? Yeah, right. So, was that ever an option? There, well, and, and, and Gandalf points out, like, it was Tuesday night when we were taken. Now it's Thursday afternoon. Because time, time passes pass, more quickly yeah. than you realize. Well, and they, weren't, they weren't aware of, you know, the, the, the time while they were underground because, of course, yeah. you can't see the, the, the sun and the moon and whatnot. Oh, that's but, cool. So yeah, he's that's like, right. In, in their own way, the goblins have done us a great favor because we passed the mountains a lot more quickly than we... Uh, expected yes but we spent most of the time rolling around in dirt and and now we're more north of where we need to be and then they're like wait 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 gandalf how did you know you know how did you come save us and then there's this great little bit because bilbo asked this and he's like he wasn't sure if gandalf already explained this to the dwarves but gandalf loves explaining his cleverness multiple times right i love that gandalf's like yeah i'm really clever and i don't mind reminding everybody about that look at the cool thing i did so as it turns out, Gandalf and Elrond were well aware of the goblins, and they actually chose this path because the goblins typically didn't uh, kidnap people on it. But as it turns out, so many people have been kidnapped on the old path, the goblins had switched to this one, which is now considered the more safe one. Yeah. So 
Gandalf kind of knew the whole time to be on. It was something to, to, to be on alert about. So then he says, goblins can smell our footsteps for several hours after we linger. So we really need to get several miles away from here because come nighttime, they will come after us. Now, something else, though, uh, to think about, um, again, with, with Bilbo. So, you know, so we had Gandalf recounting his adventure to be all impressive with his wizardly knowledge. But then, of course, Bilbo told uh, the company about his exploits as well as he had managed to escape the, the goblins. And, of course, he cleverly left out the whole, I, the whole little bit about the ring. Um, but, you know, this was another uh, opportunity for him to impress upon them his worth as a burglar. Um, and basically, he told the story exactly as it happened, just not just, you know, leaving out the little tidbit about the fact that he was invisible. <laughs> so the fact that, like, he jumped over Gollum and got past him and got past all these guards and uh, uh, goblins who were wandering about with swords and whatnot, he was like, oh, yeah, I snuck in between them and then squeezed out. So I did everything. That in shadows. Yeah. So, of course, you know, the dwarves are all really impressed by him. Ooh, and Oz. But so, yeah, they, they uh, set off because they need to get moving because if they don't the goblins of course are going to come after them again well and as they're starting to move on they become very aware that they don't have anything they have no ponies they have no food and they're getting friends they have no meaning in life no hoods yeah poor bilbo is so hungry and then gandalf says very well then we must just tighten our belts and trudge on or we shall be made into supper, and that will be much worse than having none ourselves. <laughs> wise words, Sir Wizard. Wise words. That's when the hop shuts up and stops complaining. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's that's about right. I would rather not have supper than be supper myself. Yeah, they're going along, and they kind of slip down this really stony slope that's pretty perilous. And uh, the dwarves are like, uh, okay, so if the goblins are behind us, they could e- easily kill us just by throwing, throwing rocks at us. Rocks at us. And uh, then they, you know, finally manage to get to this clearing. Bilbo kind of doesn't like the feeling of this clearing. There's like a whole bunch of trees around them, but they're in the middle of this clearing, and it's, it just feels weird. And all of a sudden, they start to hear howling. It's night has fallen finally, and they really should find a place to, um, to sort of hide out for the night. Um, Bilbo talks about like how he's never, or he thinks to himself, or it's explained that. Bilbo doesn't really ever, he's never really encountered wolves and he's very scared of them yeah and because he can, he's heard about them in stories and stuff yeah but of course there are none by the Shire um so yeah of course Bilbo's terrified because yeah they hear they hear the howling and these are not just any wolves these are wild wolves that live on the edge of the wild and they're called wargs this is a weird name by the way I I, I didn't expect they kept sweet Tolkien kept switching back and forth between wolves and wargs in this. Yeah. Uh, I actually got briefly confused. I was like, is this a whole other creature? But... I mean, they're, no. they're like... They're larger than... I think I think it's... Uh, I don't know. Wargs are larger than wolves, and they seem to have more, like, uh, communicative abilities than wolves do, I think. I don't know. They're, so def- like they're brain, definitely, like... Yeah. Think of what a werewolf is. Kind of. And it might be, that yeah. might be close to what a warg is. But they're also, like, you know, goblins use them as uh, sort of a means of transportation. You know, like like men ride horses, goblins ride wargs. Okay. Too. So, yeah, they're they're pretty big and pretty nasty looking. Are they intelligent? I mean, yeah, they're they're capable of yeah, all right. of communication and of thinking because they they often plot with goblins too, um, in their nasty, wicked ways. 
So now they're trying to find a place to basically rest for the night. Right. And they end up end up at the top of a bunch of trees. Yeah, because Gandalf's like, oh, okay, they're closing in. Uh, climb the trees. I will say the only tree like that they specifically, or that, that, that is specifically stated is a large tree, mm-hmm. um, which would place this kind of geographically in uh, the French Alps. Gandalf climbs a pine. Oh, this is true. Okay. <laughs> listen, listen. I did like an extended study on the Roman like use and sourcing of wood, and I'll be damned if I don't like talking about larch now. <laughs> no, but larch is, a, is is like a good tree to support a uh, a, a cattle cod of dwarves because it is mm-hmm. exceptionally strong, mm-hmm. super dense. In fact, you can't float larch. Mm-hmm. So when they would mine, not mine. You don't mine trees. This is <laughs> Minecraft. When they would um, harvest trees and 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 like the French Alps to take down to Rome, they actually couldn't float them, so they had to take them overland. So imagine these like 120 foot long trunks that they just carry through, you know, the Italian peninsula to get to Rome. That's pretty. Question. That's pretty yes. labor intensive. Where where are we in Middle Earth right now? Uh, we're just we're just past the Misty Mountains, right? Just but, past but the north, Misty right? Yeah, I mean, kind of due east of Rivendell, a little north of where it says High Pass. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I, we got a map up right now, and yeah. I'm just kind of are we are we into Mirkwood yet? No. no. Okay. No, not quite. I know it's on the way. Yeah, you, you'll know when we get to Mirkwood. Um, because it'll be murky and wooded. <laughs> so anyway, um, they are climbing trees, and of course, poor little Bilbo, uh, you know, not for the first time and not for the last time, is kind of like, he's the last one, and he can't quite reach, and he's, you know, it's down to the last second, and Thorin is like, Dory, go help him. And Dory's like, why is it always uh, me? <laughs> get up here, you little rascal. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Dory has to actually, like, jump down out of the tree and put Bilbo on his shoulders and, like, throw him up into it. And then, you know, right at the last second, as the wargs are closing in, Dory climbs back up in the tree. Well, the hobbit pouts. <laughs> um, and the narrator uh, actually finds this. So, you know, throughout the book, I mean, you know, they'll get into situations and the narrator is kind of more somber, but oftentimes the narrator finds stuff like this comical. And this is no different here. He's like, so, you know, the, the dwarf, the company is hiding in trees right now, sort of like for their lives. And the narrator is commenting on how comical it is. All of the dwarves, like with their beards in the tree, like, yeah, like as if they're little boys or something, you know? So, I don't know. It's just kind of funny. And I like the image of, like, Gandalf found is, like, hidden in, like, one little section. And his eyes are gleaming in the in the moonlight. Which makes him just even that little bit more mysterious. Yeah. Yeah. And sort of also, like, almost impish is one way that I would describe Gandalf, too, sometimes. So um, now the wolves have, like, were wargs. Yep. Have shown up and they're, like... <laughs> <laughs> to each, I don't know. I, they're, that would have worked. They're talking like. to each other, I guess. They're not really. It's it's in a language that nobody understands mm-hmm. except ex, excuse me, except for Gandalf. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going on, and he doesn't seem too happy with what he is hearing. Yeah. Um. So Gandalf understands warg language, and he's listening to them, and they are sort of talking about conspir con, uh, about uh, having some kind of um, conspiratorial friendship with goblins. Um, and they're going to raid a nearby village. Um, but now, so the wargs had seen the company and had, have seen them go up in, in these trees. And now they think that the company are allied with the men in this town. So now they're thinking like that they're going to have to actually wage a battle 
uh, as, as opposed to just, you know, raiding the town and taking them by surprise. So they're like, we got to kill these people. Which, of course, yeah, Gandalf does not like hearing that. <laughs> nope. Um, so... Is this when Gandalf starts, like, clutching up all of the, yeah. uh, uh, like, pine cones and then sight starts lightning on fire and then throwing them down at them? And then, like, the fur on these wargs just, like, burst into flames. And also, like, there's, like, mentions of, like, flames of different colors and, mm -hmm. like, yellow flame and green flame and blue flame. And they start freaking out because they hate fire. Yeah. Um, so now there's all this commotion going on and... Uh, you know, sort of far off. Another very important character that we haven't really met yet, um, but that's going to help us quite a lot. Here's this noise, and that is the Lord of the Eagles. He's going, what? <laughs> what is that? So he's like, something's going on over there, and um, he brings a couple of his eagle buddies with him to investigate. Hold on. Eagle buddies. I heard evil buddies for a second. <laughs> eagle. But that's not the situation. Eagle buddies. Yeah, the eagles are by no means evil at all. So yeah, then we're kind of told about how eagles don't like goblins because of all the nasty things that they do. And of course, goblins really hate eagles because, you know, the eagles will interfere with their plans and stop them when they see them doing evil things. So meanwhile, back down in the forest, the wargs have joined forces with the goblins and the goblins aren't afraid of fire at all. No. They're, 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 in fact, they're intrigued by fire. Yeah. And they're kind of setting fire to the forest now. They're using, you know, Gandalf's defense against the wargs. Now they're using it against the company. <laughs> and Gandalf's like, I didn't think this went through <laughs> well like, enough. Oops. <laughs> now we're going to be on fire. Um, so the goblins are uh, deciding to build up the fire around all these trees and smoke them out. Um, and they're singing this horrible song, um, that's, like, taunting the company. I mean, I, I, I've been kind of, like, reading these songs. This one I didn't quite get a melody. I, I just, it was all over the place for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what a goblin song would sound like. Well, I mean, there's a lot of, like, like, you know how, like, in the previous chapter, it was, like, a lot of yeah, sounds? Yeah, like, this cracky one's a lot sounds. Of sounds. Well, and if you think about it, that makes sense, though, with the flames, right? Yeah. Because flickering f flames kind of sound like... Ah, talking. Right? Right? Isn't he genius? Yes. I'm not joking, you guys. This is genius. So, yeah. He is clearly our least biased reader. Not at all. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> but so, yeah, Gandalf is kind of like putting on a brave face and yelling at the goblins, saying he's not afraid of them. Calls but... them all boys at one point, which was weird. Yeah, calls yeah. them all boys. Um, but of course, we know uh, he actually is quite terrified right now because um, he doesn't really know what to do and he doesn't really see any way out of this. But then the, basically the these eagles show up and realize they need to help out. Right. And they... Well, it's not that they need to help out. It's just that they want to mess with the goblins. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's true. It's, like, more yeah. vindictive to the goblins to, like, take them out of the way. Yeah. And we were to the point of, you know, Gandalf getting ready to jump out of his tree. Um, and oh, yeah, basically... Oh, like, yeah, like, rain down flames and, like, lightning or something. Well, it was really weird. Well, but also, he was ready to kind of jump to his death. Um, and, you know, he was, like... He could take out several of the goblins on the way down, but and, he would essentially be jumping to his death. And now I'm imagining him as a war boy in Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> with, like, the big things. Yeah. yeah. Witness me! Yes, exactly. 
<laughs> he chrome spray paints his mouth. And oh, God. Says, I live, I die. I live and Bilbo's like, what? Wait, well, what? I don't know. However, knowing what we know about Gandalf and that he is one of the Istari. He does live, die, live again. <laughs> right? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But so anyway, right at, as things are really starting to hit the fan, uh, the eagles swoop in and pick up Gandalf right out of the tree, the, the Lord of the Eagles. And then he's talking with the eagles and saying, hey, can you take us like all the way there? Mm-hmm. And the eagles like, no. We're not a taxi service. No, mm-hmm. we're not doing that. The eagles are not your taxi service. You, you get one convenience mm-hmm. per trilogy. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, eagles swoop down. The rest of the eagles get the rest of the dwarves. And they forget Bilbo again. But Bilbo Poor grabs, Bilbo. Bilbo yeah. grabs Dory's legs. Dory's like, come on! Yeah. Bilbo's Seriously? Like, Bilbo's like, my arms, my arms! And Dory's like, my, my legs, legs, my legs! Dummy! <laughs> but yeah, poor Bilbo. He is constantly, like, right on the edge of getting left behind forever, constantly. Um, yeah. So he's, like, queasy from flying, because he's kind of afraid of heights anyway. And obviously nobody really flies back in this time. Well, a small <laughs> cliff makes him feel weird. Yeah. So he... He and, and Dory are uh, dropped off at this eagle's specific nest. And then Bilbo makes the Bilboiest metaphor of all time. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> in which he says, Now I know what a piece of bacon, which has been scooped out of the pan and placed back on the shelf, and Dory's, feel like. And Dory's like, just shut up. <laughs> Dory's like, no, because the bacon knows it's going to be cooked again soon, and you don't. Yeah. <laughs> so my question is, who takes bacon out of the pan and puts it back onto the shelf? Uh, a people hobbit? People in the past, I don't know. I guess, a yeah. hobbit, I guess. Uh, people without refrigeration. <laughs> a bacon hobbit. Um, but yeah, that that was a funny little exchange, and I I feel like that exchange is was also spurred by his extreme hunger, though. <laughs> Poor <laughs> but now guy. we understand why the name of this chapter is out of the frying, frying pan, pan into, into the, the fire. fire. Uh, so yeah, it's also explained that there's been like a drought in this part of the world, and so mm-hmm. there's just like a big forest fire raging now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and men have been moving in slowly on this territory anyway. So. Uh, like a messenger comes up and tells the specific eagle, like, take your prisoners to the Lord of the Eagles. And Bilbo's like, we're a prisoner, oh no! And then, like, he flies off with Dory, and Bilbo's just, like, alone, like, sad and scared in this nest. And then he comes back and picks Bilbo up and drops him off. Oh, yeah, right, come on. And then he (laughs) sees that, like, Gandalf and Thorondor, who's never referred to as such, but as we know is... The Lord of the Eagles. uh, Are, like, friendly and chatting and, like, joking with each other. And Bilbo's like, oh, okay, never mind. We were prisoners of the goblins that were rescued. We were not their prisoners. Right. So the, the 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 Lord of the Eagles is like, we'll take you as far as we can, but we can't take you anywhere near men because they'll shoot at us with arrows. Because typically <laughs> we just swoop down and steal their sheep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and, and in, at any other time, they would be right. Because we do just swoop down and steal their sheep a lot. <laughs> that was but... really like a moment of like... <laughs> Like, we're, we're, it's like, they got beef with us. We don't know why. We just so, killed their sheep. As we previously, uh, you know, kind of equated, uh, the eagles are roughly the size of a 777. Yeah. So imagine you're just, like, sitting in your farm, and then, like, a 777, like, swoops, swoops down, down and, like, picks up a couple of your oh, sheep and swoops That's a good point. That's pretty off. scary. Yeah. So, yeah, they, you know, they, they tell Gandalf, you know, we'll take you as far as we can. Um, and then, you know, also graciously, the eagles bring... Uh, um, some small animals and and also a sheep um, to the dwarves so that they can roast them over a fire and have some food. And just, just uh, imagine this image of like Bilbo being like just like near the sheep and like they're like you kill this thing we gotta take care of these other animals and Bilbo's just like with a knife going 
Uh, well, <laughs> while you have that image, for some reason, the Davy Crockett theme song just started playing in my head, but with Bilbo. Bilbo. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. Exactly. The cowardliest of them all. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, this is the end of the chapter. Yeah. Bilbo talks about how he doesn't like eating, like, he doesn't like, like, taking the raw meat and, like, cutting it himself because he always goes to a butcher. Yeah. And he would prefer something a little more... Uh, prepared than just meat on sticks and what but. he wouldn't give for some bread and butter yeah um and then also we're you know we're uh bilbo at the very end of the chapter he he drifts up off to sleep and he's dreaming about uh his home specifically about going in and out of different rooms looking for something though he can't remember what um so yeah. it's kind of interesting what and, then, we're... and then dory is is annoyed at him because dory and him are sleeping next to each other because they're besties now and Dory turns to Bilbo and says you need to take a chill Bilbo <laughs> <laughs> that didn't happen no that, that didn't happen wish it did, for though. anyone I have to constantly give disclaimers about the things that John comes up with <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so that's more or less everything we have to talk about um, favorite parts mine was that that sentence I read at the beginning <laughs> Mine is, um, so this chapter is called Out of the Frying Pan into the Fire. And there's a moment where, so after, the, you know, they've just escaped the, the goblins and then they hear the wolves. And Bilbo thinks to himself, um, escaping goblins to be caught by wolves. And then the narrator tells us that this becomes a proverb. However, now we say out of the frying pan into the fire. And it's used when describing, like, you know, inconvenient circumstances uh, particularly ones where, you know, you've gone from one sort of troublesome circumstance and jumped right into another one. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, that's another example of, uh, like, you know, in chapter one, when we learned about um, Bilbo's ancestors, you know, especially uh, Bolroar Bol Took, who had supposedly invented the game of golf, <laughs> right? This is just another one of those little, like, uh, and here's where that phrase comes from. Yeah, this is a weird thing. I just love that kind of little offhanded, I don't uh, know. dig in there. I don't know um, how much if I... I mean, weirdly enough, there's not much in this chapter. Like, this was... I mean, we picked the stop here because we got... We're going to be doing the movie next. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of like us stopping where the movie ends. And mm -hmm. this is rough estimate where the movie ends. I have to say the part I liked the most was when Gandalf was taking the pine cones and setting them on fire. <laughs> just like... I, I don't quite get... And I've seen the movies. I'm just going to try and divorce that from this discussion as well. Mm -hmm. and I still don't quite understand how Gandalf's magic works, but I feel like it's just like it's kind of like the magic where you look at you're looking at him and you like blink or look away, and all of a sudden it's on fire now. Like who, who knows? Well, that's kind of the thing about Gandalf, and Gandalf in particular among the wizards prefers not to use his magic a lot for. I mean, he uses it when he needs to. And sometimes he'll use it for spectacle. In particular, when they're talking about him setting the pine cones on fire um, and all the different colors they are, like uh, Bilbo is reminded of the fireworks that yeah, that, yeah. that the old Took had told about, That you know, because Gandalf can produce some really spectacular fireworks shows. Um, but as far as, like, Gandalf's magic, yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly like you said, kind of one of those magics where, like, you don't, he, like, oh, hey, Gandalf, like, made a bunch of goblins explode. <laughs> ah, yeah, you know? just, whoa. Just, yeah, and it, that's kind of, I, I feel how Gandalf wants it to be about his magic. Like, he's not, he doesn't use it a lot for for spectacle. He uses it when on a need basis, and um, this is one of those moments. <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't yeah. know why the Ghostbusters theme just popped in my head. 
<laughs> you're all over the place. Yeah, you're. This is like a magic. It's like a freestyle. What the hell? <laughs> when you have a boy... tree, with some words at you. What you gonna call? Gandalf magic. Okay. Unexpected Gandalf magic. Our next, our next piece of art that I want someone to create is like a Gandalf magic Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters sort of esque thing. Oh, and like Bilbo looks like Rick Moranis. Yeah. Maybe cast Rick Moranis as Bilbo. I was at a Uniqlo the other day, this Japanese clothing store, and they had a whole bunch of Ghostbusters tees, and I really, really wanted to buy one, but they were all Ghostbusters too. Aww. Then I would have bought them in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I would have. I'm a weirdo. Also, they like only had extra smalls and stuff. Oh. Um, the other thing I noticed in this chapter was I always thought I, I don't know if I, I want to table this for the movie, but I'm just going to reference the movie slightly. I had seen the movie, I hadn't read this book, but I always thought the part where they end the movie on the first movie mm-hmm. was made up for the movie, and there are some parts of it that were yes fabricated for the movie. But for mm-hmm. the most part, I was really surprised to read that. Mm-hmm. For the most part, the same setting and scenario happened. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so dumb all in I, the movie. But now that I read it in the book, it's like, oh, okay. They had some foundation for that. Honestly, all I really remember... I only ever saw the first Hobbit movie because I was so disgusted. But all I really, re- <laughs> all I really remember is that the Goblin King is Dame Edna with a goiter. <laughs> like, literally, yeah, the voice yeah. actor is Dame Edna. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about this more when we talk about yeah, the movie. So but this is so yeah, I'll 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 leave that my comments um, for, for for later. I will say with reference to the phrase "out of the frying pan and into the fire," I actually always associate that with a different children's book. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's ever read the Twenty One Balloons, but it's yeah. it's my like absolute favorite book for my kid, and I've always mm-hmm. wanted like if I ever do become you know somehow inexplicably you know Peter Jackson, that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> um, oh sorry, you're. Oh, my, I was just going to say, mine is Stella Luna. I want the bat. Yeah. It gets left, yeah. so yeah. That explains so much of these bat videos. I know, seen. right? I love bats. <laughs> uh, on, a, on, a, on another fun and related note, Katie discovered an amazing Twitter trend this weekend. Oh, yeah. So um, so it was yesterday, right? Or was it the day before? No, I don't was, remember. It was, it was a little few days ago. I think ago. it was Friday. It was Friday. It was Friday. So we record, uh, We're recording this on Sunday, though. Yeah, we're recording this on Sunday. So on Friday, um, someone from the Tolkien Society came up with this. And so if you're at all interested in Tolkien, you probably saw it already. But so it took over Twitter. And the hashtag was actually trending for a while. It was hashtag Tolkien a movie. Um, so basically, it's one of those things where you change one word in the movie and make it like somehow Tolkien related and there were some gems that people came up with really great ones uh, Katie came up with a real groaner oh man no the one that okay I feel really bad about it though because like again it made me <laughs> like really insensitive cringe as soon as I came up because it's incredibly insensitive but I couldn't get it out of my head and it was uh, bowling for Golombine mm. yeah it was bad. Mm. I only came up with a few I came up with the passion of the Orchrist <laughs> Uh, the postman always glam drinks twice. <laughs> oh, Captain Corelli's gondolin. That was good. Though. Yeah. There was another one I came up with, Katie. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. Oh, it was the Fury Road one. Oh, yeah. Mad Max, the Fury Road goes ever on. <laughs> but Katie was saying some other great ones from Yeah. Um, so the, I, I was trying to think of others that weren't specifically Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, too. Um, and so I, I came up with... Um, uh, how the Grinch stole the letters from Father Christmas, which is a great That's a deep cut. Yeah. yeah, it's a great thing for for 
if, if you haven't read the letters from Father Christmas, you should read them. Tolkien basically wrote them for his kids, and they're really adorable. Um, and then another one, uh, so riffing off of Mr. Bean, uh, I did Mr. Bliss goes on holiday or whatever it is. Mr. Bliss, Mr. Mr. Bliss's holiday or something. I don't know. Mr. Bliss is another kind of kid's book that he wrote about sort of a bumbling fellow. And then <laughs> one, one of my favorites from the hashtag that someone else did was I knew her what you did last summer. Yeah, I knew her what you did last summer. That was pretty great. So yeah, hats off to all of the people who came up with really hilarious, witty. Nine rings I hate about you. <laughs> oh, um, Tolkien a movie ideas. <laughs> they were great. And um, uh, one last bit of, of solemn news, uh, last Wednesday, which is the day our, our third Hobbit episode um, launched, or last Thursday, yeah. sorry. Yeah, it Thursday. was last Thursday. Yeah. Last Thursday, it was announced that Christopher Lee uh, had passed away at the age of 93. Uh, one week ago today, as of this recording, actually. So, yeah. um, you know, we just like to take a moment to remember Christopher Lee and all that he uh that was one of his like big prominent roles for a generation was Saruman. Yeah. yeah. And also a dream of his to be in the Lord of the Rings movie. Right. Yes. There's a great moment from an inter- interview with him where he was talking about, you know, uh, so when 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 the Hobbit first came out, of course he, he he read it and he was like, "Well, I'm too young to to play Gandalf." And then when the movies were actually made, like the Lord of the Rings movies were made, he was like he was like, "Now I'm too old to play Gandalf." <laughs> um, but the, you know, the fact that he was able to have been a part of those movies and the fact that he was able to be Saruman, he said, is proof that dreams come true. Well, and um, which, which was really, really touching. And, and he was he was cut from the Return of the King theatrical edition, which er, uh, kind of irked him. But his his scenes were restored in the extended edition, in which, uh, spoiler alert, I guess, uh, <laughs> Wormtongue stabs him in the back. Mm-hmm. And so Peter Jackson is like, okay, uh, how are we going to do this? And and Christopher Lee is like, oh. Well, I actually stabbed a Nazi in the back during the war, so I know exactly what it sounds like when this happens. Well, to be fair, Christopher Lee did not say that, actually. It was Peter Jackson telling him the, the sort of noise that he wanted him to make when Wormtongue stabbed him in the back, and Christopher Lee replies with, No, no, Peter. When someone stabs, gets stabbed in the back, they make a sort of breathy sound because all of the air is coming out of them. And so at which point Peter Jackson was like, You clearly know what is going on here, so... But if I recall but, correctly, he knew this from experience yeah, from the war. Yeah, from the war, yeah. So Christopher Lee um, was, of course, a legend and a phenomenal actor who has contributed so much, not only to his craft and to the world of drama, but uh, to charitable organizations as well. And, and, and heavy metal. And heavy metal, of course. And so, the only Dracula I really know. And, so. yeah, <laughs> so wonderful was, Dracula. So last Thursday, I was, I was walking down 6th Avenue, and I passed the... the uh, News Corp headquarters, and of course they have the Fox News ticker, and they were announcing his death, and they said the old neck romancer dies at ninety three, and I thought that was really kind of I yeah. mean, crass, even for them. That's pretty bad. Ew. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm All sorry. Right. To, I'm sorry to end that on that sour note. No, but I just but had to like get that frustration. Out. We watched we watched a bunch of movies with him, and we watched The Mummy. Yeah. We watched Horror of Dracula, which is one of my all time favorite horror Great movies. Great movie. Uh, and I watched Gremlins too. Yeah. And he's that. So we will all fondly remember Sir Christopher Lee, as I'm sure all of his fans will as well, mm-hmm. and appreciate his vast contributions. And his heavy metal career. And his heavy metal career. <laughs> and, and and for bringing a little bit more reason to watch episodes two and three of Star Wars. He was <laughs> right. one of the few good things of the right. series. I can only hope to be as lucid and wonderful 
and to release a heavy metal album on my ninety second birthday. I want to be tall Lee like was. him. Chase, you're the tallest among us. Oh, good point. <laughs> so, um, with that, this has been an episode of Talking Tolkien. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Talking Tolkien. We're on Patreon at Talking Tolkien. We'd appreciate it if you give a dollar or two to help us expand our infrastructure and offer new shows. Um, we would like to give a shout out, give a thank you to uh, those who have already donated to us on Patreon. Thank you so much. And the, that would be Avon McMaster and uh, Micah Laney. So thank you, Avon and Micah. We'll be joining you next time uh, with a super special episode. A in video which, episode! In which <laughs> a we video. get to see all of us! In which we eviscerate the, the, the first half movie. <laughs> oh, let's not spoil it. I mean, um, We're also available on iTunes and on Stitcher at under the name of Talking Tolkien. If you're searching us iTunes on the desktop, it's easier to search just Tolkien because Talking pulls up Car Talk and the like. Uh, on your phone, Talking Tolkien works much better. Uh, TalkingTolkien.com. And if you want the independent RSS feed, uh, we can get that posted for you as well. I've had one or two people say that they use uh, an external podcast um, app, so they just took our feed from the iTunes, so we can get that posted manually for you as well. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to email us as well, you can uh, send us an email to theprofessor at TalkingTolkien.com. So once again, I'm John. I'm Katie. I'm Chase. And thank you for listening. I don't know why there was such a long delay on that. (laughs) (laughs) 